time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here with us. It is Monday, February 13th. Is February the 13th different than um, Friday the 13th? I don't know. I, I, Friday the 13th has always been a good day for me, a lucky day, a blessed day. And uh, so we're accepting 13th. I'm not into superstitions, but welcome to us, to the podcast on the 13th, everybody. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, we take our commitment to bring you timely information very seriously. And we do so in an audio-only format. You can listen to anytime and anywhere. We appreciate you telling others about it. Our audience continues to grow, and we're grateful for that, as do our sponsors. We recently have added Candor Technologies, the only automated underwriting system to earn a patent for their unique solution to underwriting and decisioning. Candor also optimizes the loan delivery workflow so operations can right-size for the last time. And also, Finastra. Experience the power of fully integrated approach to the mortgage lending that simplifies the borrowing experience and streamlines the overall process for employees, creating for another really good borrower experience. Listen to Michael Hendrick. We had him on. We're also working on getting some new updates on their finance, playing a bigger role than ever in the marketplace. Um, talk more about that a little bit. For free. Very happy to have them as a sponsor. Form free is a leading provider of direct source VOAs, verification of asset. VOI, verification of income, and um, verification of uh, the various things that relate to go into the mortgage. So they, they did a wonderful partnership with the Freddie Mac. You can listen to Brent Chandler talk about that on October 13th, 2022. Go back and listen to that podcast. Also, Total Expert. I got to tell you, more I work with Total Expert, I'm so amazed at their customer intelligence platforms that they have built in there, along with the marketing campaigns that are part of Total Expert. You need to check out Total Expert. They are standing alone out there in their field, and they say, yeah, but they have competitors. Yeah, not really. When you look at the total customer intelligence process, check out Total Expert. They do a great job. Also, Simple Nexus, their mortgage software and technology is for the modern mortgage lender. So many people are bringing on them as um, as uh, they're adding them to their tech stack, if you don't have it, you need to. It'll reduce costs over brand X that they are competing against out there. And they've really emerged as the new modern mortgage leader in the marketplace. Listen to the interview we did with Ben Miller on December 30th, 2022. Also, special thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Talk a little bit about the IMB and um, here in a minute, we'll also talk with about Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. We have these two co-ops. We're members of both of them, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Coming winter conferences, Lenders One is doing it in Las Vegas, and the Mortgage Collaborative is doing theirs in San Diego. So check out both of these associations and encourage you to do what we've done, become members of both of them. Again, it's not to replace the MBA membership because the MBA membership does so much for us on a broad national basis. These are Lenders One and Mortgage Collaborative are two co-ops that allow you to get up close and personal with your peers. I don't know about you, but when you're really going through the kind of market conditions we're going, it is so meaningful to be able to talk to someone that of, of similar size, similar circumstances they're going through. Find out how they're getting through it. That's what the co-ops do. Lenders One and Mortgage Collaborative. Also, Knowledge Group does a great way of training, helping you. There's so much more than just a learning management system. Ken Perry and his team has built a platform that commun helps you communicate out to your community and does so very effectively. Yes, they're an LMS learning management system, and yes, they do um, uh, certification, the uh, continuing ed. So they do all of those things. But man, got to check out all that what Ken has built. Also, Mobility MMI and Modex love these two for market intelligence that you get out of there. That is probably the most important thing: intelligence. You want market intelligence. Both of these firms. Modex and Mobility MMI provide that for you, as well as mortgage advisory tools. Those, uh, again, great 
sponsors. We're grateful for all of them. Hey, an update on our upcoming podcast. We got February 15th this week. We got Dave Savage and Alec Kuchinson. As you know, they have teamed up. And the topic, well, it's confidential. It has to do with the announcement that they are announcing on the 14th. We talk about it on the 15th of this month. It is really exciting what these two who have combined forces under LLR Investments. And um, encourage you to check out the podcast on the 15th. Create a little uh, excitement there. Also want to say a special thank you to Adam DeSantis, Les Parker, Matt Graham, who's dialed in. David Kittle, who can't be here with us. Alice Alvey's back with us this week, as well as Alan Pollock and Mark Helm, who is here. Both Alan and Mark here put on this. Let me get my the microphone turned on. Mark was just a little bit late coming in, but you're here, Mark. Good to have you here on the podcast. Thanks Glad for joining to be here. You. Yeah, I'm glad. Glad to, to be here. You. Yeah, we got some a lot of stuff to talk about, Mark. Can't wait to have you participate in this discussion, interject. But let's first get over to what the MBA has to say with their MBA Mortgage Minute and Adam DeSantis. They submitted the following. Let's listen to it. Hi, I'm Adam DeSantis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Here's what you need to know. MBA sent a letter to FHFA expressing concerns regarding the recently announced changes to the GSE's loan level price adjustments, particularly the addition of an LLPA based on debt-to-income ratio. MBA's letter reiterates initial concerns about the unfortunate timing of the new fees, given the implementation date of May 1st, right during the busy spring buying season, as well as major issues highlighted by members on the newly added LLPA tied to a DTI ratio. The new LLPA will likely mean multiple changes to a borrower's pricing throughout the loan application process, which could cause operational and system issues, compliance implications related to TRID, compromised borrower trust, and challenges during post-closing quality control activities. MBA believes that DTI-based LLPA is unworkable and should be removed. Instead, an alternative approach should be imposed to mitigate the GSE's exposure to high DTI ratios that does not pose hardships to both lenders and borrowers. MBA has requested a meeting with Director Thompson to further discuss this issue and fully examine the difficulties of this implementation and to also identify alternative approaches. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Adam DeSantis for the MBA. Thankfully, the MBA is doing their thing to get that all turned around. Man, I mean, what, what's major is Secretary Thompson, I'm, I'm really a little surprised this came out of her because I've listened to her at the conferences and I've been very hopeful that Secretary Thompson would be uh, an advocate for the industry a little bit more. She sounded like it, but this one took a lot of us by surprise. We're going to have Alice comment about this a little bit later, and so we'll get into this a little bit more. But anyway, thank you so much, Adam. Appreciate it so much. Adam, uh, Mark, is there anything you want to add to that? Any comment there before we move on? Probably the same thing you would say. I agree with the NBA stance, and I hope they're successful. And we hope they're successful. Exactly. We're going to discuss it a little bit more in the podcast during Alice's segment. Let's get over to Les Parker and today's TM Spotlight. It's a macro view of the markets, and of course, you need to check out Les Parker's TM Spotlight newsletter. Talk about that right after this report. Here we go. Les Parker and his music parody. What does he have for us today? TM Spotlight Soundbites. If Jay Risk It All is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Could he break Bull's Fall? Last week's auctions went from dismal to spectacular to dismal. With the recent end of the secular bull market, the market continues to search for the new pattern to match the situation. Will the new bear trend last 40 years? Expect varying bull themes that regularly return to the bear trend. The dollar and gold hear the committed Fed sounding mad, but on a course to lower inflation along with its accomplices around the globe. So... If Fed Chairman Powell, Spectre, or James Bond for Hawks, he has to risk it all. Interpret the writing at tmspotlight.com. Because the writing's on the wall. Oh, good job. Good job. Sam does such a good job. What a voice that guy has. And uh, brings back some... I was imitating Sam in a song when we were together as a fan of family event and I had my kids rolling on the floor 
Well, that's in my uh, bad imitation. So Les Parker did a better job than I did. Check out Les Parker's TM Spotlight. You can sign up for the newsletter and get the paid version for free if you put in the word power for power seller in the code, as a code in there. So put in power for power seller. Get the, it's a great newsletter. Everyone should be reading this. Everybody should be reading this. And everyone should be signed up for Matt Graham. I was just, I'm a little surprised that, that, that Les Parker didn't hit on Rihanna's. Uh, that, did you see her performance last night at the, on the Super Bowl? I mean, a gutsy girl getting up and on one of those platforms that goes that high up in the sky, uh, up in the, in the stadium. She has no fear heights, as one of the commentators said, but it was really pretty good. I love her voice as well. But Sam good, did a good job. Les, thank you for that. Matt Graham here to talk about the markets. I love your system. A lot of noise about LPAs. There's a lot of just whining going on, it, but it's legitimate whining and frustration on the boards of tmbslive.net. Love it, Matt. Graham, good to have you here. Appreciate you. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here uh, as the whiner-in-chief on MBS Live. The chief <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so good. I love your. I love everything on your website. But, but, but let's talk about Thank the market. Thank you. Yeah, well, I got to whine about Wes uh, or about Les taking my um, you know theme for the day because it was pretty much everything I was going to talk about. Uh, last week with Powell and and this big wow. sort of uh, you know fork in the road that we're at with uh, the the state of rates and I think wow. I'm thinking a little bit more short term than uh, trying to determine whether or not there's a, a secular bear market to match the last four decades of a secular bull market but uh, we are nonetheless probably the most exciting time and that's neither good nor bad excitement uh, since the post-pandemic market volatility really picked up because we're waiting to see. Um, in fact, I, you know, to Les's credit, he said, is he a James Bond or a James Bond villain? I said something similar in my morning commentary and, uh, and said that, you know, every update that we get from here on out on the jobs report or on CPI adds another chapter in the story of how the Fed was either defeated or overcome by, uh, or yeah, inflation, and how the mm-hmm. economy had either a soft landing or a completely avoidable recession. We're either going to see it, the Fed be successful or fail in their fight against inflation, and success or failure will either come because they threaded the needle and achieved a soft landing, or because they were too tight on monetary policy and uh, brought about an unavoidable recession. The Fed is the the playing the role of the villain for sure over the past six months, especially telling financial markets, hey, I think you're getting a little bit ahead of yourselves. I'm sorry, let's call it three months because really since yeah, November's yeah. C, CPI data, uh, the Fed's been telling the market, hey, look, you guys are getting ahead of yourselves thinking that we're going to cut rates by the end of 2023. We think inflation is going to stay higher than you guys do. And you might want to like uh, tone it down a little bit. You could see maybe a little bit of hesitation on the part of financial markets, both in December and then in late January, when 10-year yields refused to move much below 3.4. And uh, we were waiting to see, you know, what CPI data would look like, what jobs data looks like, sort of bouncing back and forth between those two reports, and then hearing from the Fed. So we heard from the Fed, obviously, on um, the week that non-farm payrolls crushed expectations. And then the market wondered uh, very intently, would that have changed anything for the Fed? Would they have considered hiking 50 basis points? Would Fed Chair Powell have been more hawkish in the press conference? And so he had this scheduled Q&A session at the Economic Club of Washington coming up uh, the following Tuesday. Markets were very, very interested to hear what he had to say. Uh, the host, I thought, a- asked all of the right questions, and Powell did not take the opportunity to sort of body slam the market. Instead, he just said, yeah, that jobs report, I didn't know about it when I did the press conference, and it was really, really good, and this is exactly the kind of thing that we have in mind when we tell you guys, hey, you know, the economy might be more resilient than you think, and uh, inflation might be more persistent than you think. Now, that jobs number in and of itself is um, a matter of debate. Uh, yes, we know that seasonal adjustments play a role, and there were benchmark revisions to the way that they even apply seasonal adjustments, and it might have made the number a little bit hot. 
But for all of those mortgage market professionals out there thinking that um, there's some, you know, uh, uh, some conspiracy or or some uh, manipulation of the data to whatever small level, just consider that the unadjusted numbers, if you add them all up and divide them by 12, it's over 400,000 payrolls a month. And we haven't seen many prints over 400,000. So uh, a 500,000 print in a sea of two, three, 400 here and there is um, makes sense in the bigger picture, regardless of seasonal adjustments. In any event, last week was the market's week to sort of come to terms with the fact that the Fed might be right. And uh, they were playing a game of chicken with the Fed, and the Fed was able to stand firm due to that jobs report. And the rest is pretty much history. Rates drifted higher. Uh, we're prepared to go even higher if tomorrow's CPI data comes out stronger than expected. One thing everybody should keep in mind about CPI is uh, people love to throw around the year-over-year number because that is traditionally the number we pay attention to. That's what the Fed wants to see at 2%, uh, the core CPI year-over-year. But we really want to be focusing on month-over-month core CPI right now because that annual number is going to change and be distorted by base effects, meaning when you know the, the most distant month of a 12-month series falls out of the calculation, and if that month was much bigger or lower than normal, it's going to have a, a noticeable effect on the annual total. Uh, people might perceive that to be movement in inflation that isn't actual movement. And we can really only see that movement when we're looking in month over month terms and perhaps in the revision to the previous month, which has also been somewhat important. So that's tomorrow. That's Tuesday. That's the biggie this week. Retail sales on Wednesday could be a market mover, always can be to some extent. And uh, Philly Fed on Thursday, sort of an upper second tier market mover. Uh, housing starts, of course, interesting to the industry, but not uh, as big of a deal for the financial market and uh, build our confidence on Wednesday. Sorry, I went back in time there to to talk about build our confidence, but really the focus is on CPI and the market reaction and uh, you know, seeing what traders think of this, the range that we're in with uh, late December's highs around 3.9 in terms of 10 year yields. Let's hope that we stay contained inside that range, but uh, a high enough CPI number could easily break us up and out of that range. I know it seems like a far distance to cover if we're only at 3.7-ish this morning, but uh, definitely possible. Rallies are possible too. I think they'll be limited by this concern that the Fed will continue to be right in the same way it was last week. That's all I got for this week. All you got? Well, there is a lot on here. Um, One of the questions I had, Matt, and so actually someone texted this into me when they were after the podcast, after your recorded segment last week. Thank you. Did a great job with that recording. Thank you very much. Um, but they texted, just, does Matt listen to any of the, those out there that are prognosticating, predicting where rates are going? Do you listen to any of that? I know you don't put that in here per se, but you, um, several of the listeners were wanting to know how much do you get listening to or is it nothing but the facts the dragged in approach <laughs> yeah sorry oh well i mean you know my thousands of clients are asking me about those things and so we always end up talking about them um and so i always end up hearing them and uh, there's one out there right now that has to do with the uh cpi report in may it's going to be a, right. a, a pivotal turning point for rates but um that there again is is about base effects and about the 12 month total changing in a positive way because uh, an old bad month from the past will be dropping out of the equation and um, the financial market's a lot smarter than that if we can see that and we can calculate that that base effect is going to have a positive impact on the annual number then traders have traded that a long time ago so Every new CPI report is is uh, should be taken at face value at the time it comes out. There's no way to know how they're going to come out ahead of time. Right. If you want to try to know how they're going to come out ahead of time, then you know you can study price trends and and become an economist and then submit your <laughs> forecast like all the other economists do. And then that median forecast is always going to be reflected. Maybe you're higher, maybe you're lower, maybe you do better over time. Then uh, Bloomberg and Reuters will rank you, and you'll be on the list of the the most accurate economists. 
but we'll say that list tends to change um, over the years. So I don't know if it's as much of a science as it is an art. Long story short, uh, I don't find a lot of value in forecasts. I think there's a huge, huge ifs and thens in play for 2023 and 2024. And um, I personally don't have a strong opinion as to which side is going to win out just because I have thought that I have seen um, some positive signs for rates that didn't play out as big or as quickly as I thought they would in this recovery. So I'm being a little bit cautious and uh, giving this this weird market dynamic, the benefit of the doubt that it could have a little bit more staying power in terms of inflation and growth than those of us who love low rates would want to believe. Um, yeah. Hopefully I'm proven wrong, but yeah, that's, that's the fear. Yeah. I like, I was listening to a podcast over the weekend and they say we're addicted to hopium. I go, I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that, that's a great expression. Uh, hopium. So you're, you know, but that's what I love about your website. You're the Joe Friday of the mortgage industry. Nothing but the facts, bam. Just the facts. That's what we present. Just the facts. Here's what I can tell you for sure. You do a great job of that, Joe Friday, also known as uh, Graham. Appreciate you so much. <laughs> Let's get and uh, do a little. Kendall can't be here to come in. Can, can I ask Matt yeah, a quick question? Yeah, it's just coming to you. Yep. Yeah. Please do. Matt, uh, uh, I don't know what I don't know, but uh, I said a number of months a year in Houston, Texas, and I own a couple of homes and office buildings, et cetera, down here. And I'm kind of monitoring the uh, housing market very close because I got a, a house that's uh, been sitting there for about eight months now. And uh, what I'm seeing is an interesting phenomena. I'm seeing that there are no, no one at the, in the high-end spectrum of housing costs is reducing price. All the price reductions are coming at the mid-range house and affordable housing level. And um, have you ever ever seen a phenomenon like that where the people that are selling a house, it's high end, they know people have the money, they know people won't worry about the interest rates, they're not dropping price, but over here in affordable housing and mid-income housing, people are cutting price because they're moving those properties because they you know they they need they know the borrowers need all the help they can get and it's just really an interesting market now and it's not my imagination because i looked at a bunch of uh recent stats in the houston market and that's what i'm seeing so um just wonder what you thought about that uh yeah i don't know what to think about that it sounds like there are probably 47 other variables i'd want to ask you about or or to understand that might not have even been available like whether that's builders or private parties selling existing homes and um you know what the price ranges are versus the the normal price ranges because i know here in the northwest over the past six months um higher priced homes have come down more than the lower priced homes uh, at least from what i've seen and i certainly haven't seen it all but um you know in that's the, what i would expect it, matt and i'm not i'm yeah. not seeing that here it's just weird and most of this, I yeah. didn't look at anything that's new construction. I looked at resales of existing houses. Gotcha. You know, so that's what I was focused on. Gotcha. Well, I think we're going to yeah. see a lot yeah. of regional behavior, and, and uh, it's going to be different in different markets. And it is curious markets. That's something I've ever seen before. That's not for for sure. I mean, maybe and the demographic that can afford the higher priced homes uh, is doing well, and the demographic yeah. that can't isn't. Yeah, I think that's. Yep. that's Definitely one way to look at it. It's and it's yeah. we're seeing that yeah. And other other parts of the country for sure. Seattle, uh, San Francisco, some of those markets, some of the upper end still doing really really well. Mid range not so much. All right, good stuff, Matt Graham. Appreciate you being here each and every week. You do a great job. Love your website. And so check out listeners the website mbslive.net for more updates on what's going on in the market. You can put in if you're not already subscribed. <laughs> I want to say shame on you, but I uh, don't want to do that. Uh, but anyway, you should definitely. That's a should statement in there. You should be signing up, and you can do so. I get an extended sign-up trial period with the code LOL for Licking on Lending. So thanks so much for offering that to our listeners, Matt. Grateful to have you on the podcast. Alice, do you want anything to the commentary about interest rates and market and uh, less and uh, Matt's comments before we move on? You, and then I'll get over to Alan. Any thoughts? Uh, no, I think uh, when I get to my segment, we can uh, talk a little bit more about the LLPA piece. 
yes. uh, just to see where we're at with that. But um, uh, right now, I'm just happy to hear Matt is just going with the facts and not all of the other uh, talking heads out there. <laughs> Nothing but the facts, ma'am. All right. And with the same kind of tenor, voice tenor, too. Alan, do you want to uh, add anything to the market talk about interest rates? Anything you want to contribute? Uh, no, thank you. I'll ditto uh, what Alan said. Except yep, I'm good. not going to talk about LLP. That's what happened, Matt. You just overwhelmed everybody. We're just sitting here just kind of almost speechless, commentaryless. Until you were crazy. Mission accomplished. Goodbye. Mission accomplished. David Kittle can't be here, so we're going to move right on in with Alice Alvey, who is here live again with CMB Vice. She is the CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. And she's got this week's legislative update. Yeah, I know the LLPs are just bringing out a whole bunch of uh, curious reactions. I mean, not re- I mean, it's understandable reactions. It's just really curious that Senator Thompson and the group over there at FFFA, I mean, FHFA have, um, have teed this up as they have. But Alice, what you have for us today, my friend? Well, I think first I just want to start with uh, what we're watching for you all on the legislative front right now is the lack of legislation. Uh, And so don't tell anybody, okay? That's all I ask is for our listeners. Don't tell anybody that so far we haven't seen any legislation undo the uh, Blue Water Navy Vietnam Vets Act, which has in it, if you recall, this is from 2019, uh, the Blue Water, we would call it the Blue Water Bill for short, had in it increases to the VA funding fee And that was slid in there uh, by a former president uh, and Congress who didn't see it in there, supposedly, uh, that we increased the funding fee in order to pay for the compensation uh, to add veterans who were um, uh, impacted by herbicides. uh, Many of you know it as Agent Orange. Uh, So the bill effectively allowed many, I don't have a number, of veterans to automatically be eligible for their disability benefits. And this was a huge win. So that part of the bill was great so that veterans didn't have to fight for their right to have something that maybe didn't occur for many years later to be automatically considered um, a service-related disability so that they could get disability. So it really did open up the doors for a lot of veterans to get payments, but they had to fund it. And the money is coming from mortgages. Uh, So there's a disconnect there. And the bill originally had that this increase in the funding fee, which is about, you know, uh, basically it's like 15 basis points, 0.15% was added to each of the tiers of a funding fee um, with the exception of uh, interest rate reduction refinance loan. And so the funding fee was increased, and that was supposed to just last for a period of years. Uh, It was extended to April 1st of 2023. And so far, we haven't seen any legislation to go through to extend that, and we're hoping that as of April 1st, we get this lower VA funding fee. So if you have customers on the edge, uh, you know, it would be nice if you can wait and close after we get the, the word that this will go into effect, but we're watching this closely, and we'll keep you posted. So don't tell your congressman. Yeah, don't we don't want we want this to expire just like it's supposed to. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, we have to watch it. Yep. And then, as you were, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we have our cash out se- refinance seasoning uh, that's going into place. So please check with your company's lock policies. Make sure you're watching that 12 month seasoning requirement. We did get confirmation from the agencies that uh, this does not apply to the delayed financing uh, rules. So, but you do have to be careful to watch, you know, how Freddie and Fannie each define that. Uh, and you're also exempt if it is uh, trying to remove a co-owner from title. Uh, but please check those exemptions. Uh, make sure you're clear on your company's lock policies because uh, that 12-month seasoning requirement is right around the corner. Uh, so, Dave, I guess we'll segue into that PA uh, issue, and I'm glad MBA put their foot down mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, it's hard to explain how dramatic this issue is to the day-to-day. Um, and I think, you know, the way that you heard it read um, this morning um, from the MBA, you know, in I think they had it published in their news link as well under their advisory section, that, you know, it's uh, there's a, there, it's hard to put into words. And I think they did okay, but there was a sentence in there that said, we, this cannot go into place. And I think that's an understatement. It, it just can't. 
It's just a total lack of understanding of what happens day to day for customers. It's not up to us. You can have the greatest income calculators in the world. Everybody mm -hmm. is uh, smart, doing the same math. But the fact remains, since COVID, people have different ways of making money. And, you know, one of the things we just have never seen before is this huge influx over the last couple of years of all the different ways people make money. It's not, you know, W-2 coming out of an auto factory anymore on most loans. So anyway, uh, thought, would love to hear everybody's thoughts on, you know, if they think this is something that can change or if we're going to have to figure this out. Yeah, let's get some discussion on that. What are your thoughts, uh, Mark? Well, I, I agree with that. I, you know, it seems to be the new uh, found thing that people are making money on now is selling pictures of their feet. You read yeah. about it all <laughs> over the media and everything else. I, I don't think people want pictures of my feet, so I probably won't make any income off that. But anyway, I, I agree with it. It's just uh, it, it, it really has changed, and it's kind of changed the format of what the basis is we're dealing with. Uh, and the way we look at it and the way we've looked at it for decades. So uh, it's going to have to be an adjustment we make, and it's an important adjustment we're going to have to make in viewing the economy and what people are doing and how they're making money. So, Mark, do you feel that this is going to go into place and, and we have to figure this out, or, or do you think MBA will be successful in in getting uh, FHFA to change? I, I think MBA's got a shot at it. Um, let me tell you the interesting thing about that. Every time I think NBA has no shot at something, they're successful. Every time I feel really, really strong that they are going to get something done, it falls a little bit short, the end product of what I think. So I, I don't have a good track record of monitoring my thought process compared to what NBA actually accomplishes. So it's kind of hard for me to give an opinion. So I, I can go back in time, you know, as long as I've been in the industry for 45 years and nearly 46 now, I can go back and I can see things that just did not turn out the way I expected them to be, and the industry fought it with the NBA taking the charge hard, 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 and people still stuck to their guns, and we got stuck with it. And other times, we made a, you know, an effort to get something changed, and they spun completely off and did what exactly what we wanted, and sometimes more. So, I think yeah. the success yeah. on it, the success on it will be, uh, could be. The influence in Congress we have after this past election, uh, I have um, three representatives right here centered around me in Texas uh, that are have a lot of influence now in uh, the brother, the lone survivor, uh, Representative Crenshaw, and uh, another one right in a circle here in Houston. And uh, they're advocates for a lot of things that need to change to make things better for people. And they're trying to make a name for themselves. So I think if any of those freshmen, one's not a freshman, two are uh, representatives gets in there and they start executing some influence that are on the right committees and all, I think we could see a change of what kind of support we get from the governmental body to the regulatory body and the influence of, of, of doing things. So we'll see how that turns out. Could be wrong, but I'm not optimistic uh, because of the environment. Yeah, that's the sad part. I'm not optimistic, Alice, with the climate we have going on in D.C. right now. It is just – anyone who's been in there recently, it's just – it's very dysfunctional. So, Unfortunately, <laughs> I agree with you, David. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that say, yeah, hasn't it always been dysfunctional? Yeah, but we've gone to another level of craziness and dysfunction in there. So, uh, Alice, I hope um, I hope our desires and what the NBA is pushing for happens, but I am honestly not hopeful for I think maybe we should need to be bracing for ourselves. Hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But rather, I would be, rather be prepared, which is something you've always said, Alice, be prepared rather than mm – -hmm. in, in, hoping for the best and be prepared for the worst and get ready. And how, how are we going to compete? We're all going to, it's across the board. So it's going to just, it's a level, continues to be a level playing field. Unfortunately, what the logic behind it is flawed. So there I have my thoughts. Alan, you want to add to anything to that discussion? No, I, I do think that the VA funding fee in general is a very interesting topic. Um, I know some yeah. folks have taken well, good advantage of the VA programs. Uh, some of them even were able to relocate with no money down, and they were able to acquire a home that they didn't think they could get. Um, but but I think that the funding fee is definitely something if somebody's shopping, not just because it's a VA loan doesn't mean they can afford yep. 
the mortgage and the funding fee is definitely a, a big yeah. a big component of that. The final thing is just on the LLPAs, it, it is really something that people are concerned about. The other investors, right, non Freddie and Fannie, um, are making crazy changes right now. They're they're mm-hmm. modifying their LLPAs across different lock periods. Um, they're they're segmenting their risk across the amount of time that a loan is is being registered for, and and so. There's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. Everybody's concerned. No one knows for sure what the impact's going to be, or they're, they're they know what it's going to be, but they're they're aligning themselves to that plus option two, three, and four. And so there, there's a lot of panic. Uh, there's a lot of uh, indecisive people uh, making some decisions right now. Well, yeah, you would see that, especially in the tech world, with your company uh, that you have, and how people are programming their systems and trying to adjust for things. Good point. Good perspective. Thank you. Good. Alice, thank you for the good report or for the report. <laughs> We're hoping there's some good news in there, but, uh, and hopefully we be real quiet about the VA thing and that'll just um, revert back. Yeah. All right. Good job, Alice. Appreciate you so much. Thank Again, you. want to go see, listen to all of Alice's updates. Say you want to, I missed some of the others. Go back to, go to our website, look on lending. You can listen to all of Alice's virtually everyone on this podcast. We stack up each segment and just, so you can binge on Alice if you'd like, or binge on um, Matt. You can binge on Alan. Anything that we're talking about here, you can get it on the website and just in its concentrated form, just of those segments. Thank you, Alice. Let's get Alice. over to Alan. Yeah, yeah, Mark, go ahead. You want to jump in? Yeah, one quick question for Alice. Alice, I've got uh, two pending calls, uh, one with a representative and also one with someone at Fannie Mae on two of the issues we just talked about. I'd like to circle the wagon with you later this afternoon and tomorrow because, if, if possible, I'd like you to join me on those calls. Oh, interesting. Well, all right. Well, I'll be happy to talk with you after this call. Thank you. Okay. Good. Thank you, ma'am. Alan Pollock, Sayer with the weekly tech update. Alan, how are you doing, friend? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, I got all excited yesterday, David. We always, you know, the day after the Super Bowl for the last number of years, we always talk mm-hmm. about the commercials and I really don't have any commercials to talk about. It wasn't that good. No, um, there some, weren't any outstanding. Yeah, heads or no, some some commercials made me feel like I can't believe they spent that kind of money on that commercial. Mm-hmm. And other commercials just, you know, like Doritos. You know, they're always going to advertise. It's always going to be. It doesn't matter. It's Doritos. It's not going to make me buy more or buy less. Everyone loves Doritos, or at least I think everyone does. Um, you didn't like the so, Duck and Donuts commercial. <laughs> no, nah, it was all right. <laughs> Me oh, too. <laughs> the the one that caught my attention was the Blue Moon uh, beer commercial, which where you, you it yeah. starts out right, where the where the Coors is you know saying this is the Coors ad. No, it's it's a Miller Lite ad, and and they went back and yeah, forth and yeah. had a lot of fun with them fighting in the in the bar, and then uh, they said no, this ad is actually about Blue Moon. I thought that was a good way to contrast. I thought that was there's there's some, there's some strategy in that marketing message which i thought was entertaining so for sure yeah. um yeah. but i i just didn't i i wasn't feeling the um i didn't have the energy to really analyze and then i went online today looking for a recap and i i found very similar opinions actually yeah. um even yeah, TechCrunch has said the same thing so there were good commercials out there there was one commercial that was obviously interesting which which was um uh, I forgot. I just forgot the name of it, but the new streaming service that's owned, I think, by Fox Media or something, it made it look like that the streaming service was taking over the screen. Like you made a mistake on your remote. Yes, but really yes, did. yes. Yeah. My wife, that caught my wife's attention. Go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on here? It's a Tubi. It's a T, the, the, the Tubi, Tubi ad. Right, right. Not the Tubi but, ad. Where um, like, someone hack our TV. So, so having all that said, David, I'm, I'm just going to come up with a different Super Bowl stat that okay. I think is more worthy of a conversation. Um, and, and so, you know, at the end of, you know, and most ready, events, but especially the Super Bowl, they have all the hats and the shirts ready, right? It's, right. it's all good to go. And, and so in this case, um, did you know that a charity called Good360, they make sure that all of the pre-made championship hats and shirts for the losing team gets donated to people that are in need in Africa, Asia, Eastern Europe, and the Middle mm. East. So I, I thought that was actually more that interesting than any of the commercials. Yeah. 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 Check it out. They did, 
there, there's one show before the show. I mean, I had so much I was trying to get done yesterday. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I was, Nancy, had, my wife had it open, and, and it was, I mean, open, like a snap. I mean, had the TV on, was looking, she said, hey, this is interesting. They're going through all of the Super Bowl commercials for the last, you know, going back for how long? I don't know how long it went back. And there was, yeah. some, of course, some of, the, some of our old favorites that were in there. Um, but there was, it was nothing really notable about this year. And so I think this one will go as one of the silent years. But let's talk about mortgage tech. What is happening? We're seeing a lot of mergers continue to happen in the mortgage tech world. We can continue to see that happen. It's, you see new ones come up. What's also interesting, you can tell that the tech must have investment capital from somewhere because I'm not sure they're gaining market share, but they're the only ones showing up at conferences right now. Uh, now, and yeah. TMC and uh, Lenders One will be both well attended at a good balance, 50-50 balance, Whereas the MBA was like 85, 15, someone actually went in and did that math, 85% vendors, 15% um, lenders there. Yeah. Uh, the lenders that were there said it was a very good conference and they got a lot out of it. So, you know, shame on those that didn't make yeah. it there. Anyway, love to get your thoughts on mortgage tech and mergers and acquisitions. Sure. So on the, I'll start with the last one. On the M&A side, um, I don't know of too much going on right now. There. I did I, every week I look for that stuff and if it's something notable, there's all kinds of infusion of, of venture capital money and things in right. when you look at digital lending in general, especially in real estate. I actually saw David, there's a bunch of, of folks trying to get into augmented reality uh, mm-hmm. with real estate. And and that includes putting on a little a little lens. It's actually something I was gonna talk about in, in my report today. Um and it's just a company, they've got this this little lens that you can click on any glasses and it's got an API connected to it and you can build your own um, augmented reality. So think about walking through a house and it tells you the square footage of the room you're in and it tells you the walls, right? That how can be pre-programmed. It's called Monocle, M-O-N-O-C-L-E. It's like mm. $400. And it's not the, it's, it's a little ugly, but if, you know, some people would want to immerse themselves in a unique in a unique you, world, and so the, those things are upon you, us. Mo, how is it spelled again? A monocle, M-O-N-O-C-L-E. And it's called the world's smallest AR device that clips onto your glasses. Hmm. That's interesting. So anyways, yeah, there, there's some companies. So there's, there's things happening in real estate and in lending in general, consumer lending. Um, I... I there's, there, listen, we talk about the jobs report, right? There's between 50 and 100,000 tech jobs that have been that have that have disappeared, and there's more coming. Um, some companies like Microsoft and others have called it right sizing. There's, there's all kinds of terms being used, but but there are a lot of tech people that are out of work, and and that will either foster some new ideas and growth, um, or it will foster people moving on to do different things. Um, yeah. But anyways, let's let's talk about this piece. I wanted to mention a couple things. First, David is IT budgets. Um, I just wanted to kind of mention so, somebody, not because of the, the podcast, but somebody did ask me in general, what is included in an, a true IT budget? And we're talking about from the lender aspect, looking looking back in and seeing where they're where they're focusing cash. And ultimately, you have to remember that an IT budget is not just people and tools, right? And by tools, I mean Microsoft Office, may, maybe Excel, maybe a bunch of, you know. XML tools, things that your, your team can use to decipher some content. That's not just your IT budget. This is not all-inclusive. This is just a couple items I'm going to mention. You have to make sure that you're including the cost to prevent risk because the cost to take on risk is so much greater. And that may either be a, a chief information security officer, it may be a third-party firm, it may be special tools, but you have to assume there's going to be in your budget uh, something to prevent, assess and prevent risk. Second is you have to have some redundancy, right? So there's going to be a cost, whether it's going to be physical systems, whether it's going to be people cross-training so you don't have a single point of failure. You have to remember that you need to prevent redundant, you know, systems going down. So you have to have some cost for redundancy. And you want to make sure your vendors have redundancy as well, by the way. And then finally, the cost to have secure data and systems, right? That means if you're, if you're transacting with data, if you're collecting extracted data, if you're working with downloaded data, where's it going, right? Is it going to someone's laptop, which, they, which is their personal laptop, and then when they go to their kid's cheerleading event, they're doing a slide presentation and they forget their laptop and leave it there, right? What, what, is, what is your 
cost to have secure data systems? Is it just cloud hosting for certain, you know, integration components you built or your own mini database? You have to keep that in mind. And of course, the people to support it. So that's, my, that's what I'd like to say on the IT budget side. I want to move over to two more very quick things. Uh, and one of them gets into, you know, where technology spending is going this year. One of them is, is, uh, is called BIP, David. I saw okay. this today, um, and it's, it's just such an interesting topic. Um, it's called, let me just get back to it here. So BIP, it's, I'll tell you what, I will switch that out because I don't have that component in front of me. Let's just move on to the next topic. Wow, that's yeah. never happened to me before, but I, no. I lost my <laughs> Mr. Tech, you're losing So his... let's talk. I, yeah. I've done nothing more than just prepare everyone for next week. So, David, let's yeah. talk about Be Smarty. They just introduced something called Letters, which which is a new digital solution for what they're saying in the purchase market that borrowers need. And really, it's just pre-approval and pre-qualification letters. But they're they're driven, and this is exactly from Be Smarty. It says Letters, a proprietary feature native to the company's mortgage point of sale solution. And the feature uses dynamic loan-level data to allow consumers to generate various digital letters instantly without the need for a present loan officer. So it's, it's a way that they've modeled the hmm. process. It's the term they've used to describe it. It is not anything brand new, but it is a fantastic feature if you're a lender and you're looking to provide something more to your customers or your members. Check it out. That's where a lot of tech is gonna be going. And now let's get to the better part. And I think this is a two week report, David, just because I don't wanna immerse ourselves too far into it this week, but it's a fantastic article by the M Report. And it's called Through Booms and Busts, Part One. And it talks all about the pandemic and what it's done to the mortgage industry. And ultimately, Poor asks this exact question. They say, the state of the mortgage tech space, asking if we are any closer to an all-digital process, examining what tools are vital to today's home buyers, and discussing the advantages and the advances in artificial intelligence and machine learning, and reviewing the measures that have been taken in general in order to get where we're at. And they even asked, have we done all we could in technology? Have we come to that point? And so they've interviewed a number of people. There's probably 20 people in this article. I just want to go over just, just a couple random ones, the que and, and I'll say the question first. Um, the first one is, what tech enhancements to the mortgage process do you feel will be necessary in 2023 to compete? And so uh, mm -hmm. one gentleman, Frank Dana, he's a co-founder and CEO of Appraisal Logistics Solutions. Um, he said that, you know, obviously uh, appraisals are critical. There needs to be more technology uh, yeah. in that area. Garth Graham, which we know from Stratmore, he says one of the biggest challenges in 23 that tech has to answer to is going to be top of the funnel. He said refinances yeah. were about having the capacity to handle huge amounts of volume, but now it's about the process, the engineering around the process, the efficiency, and the customer experience. And he talks a little bit more about that. I'm going to jump down to um, another gentleman, uh, Jason Mason. He's the CEO and founder of Clarifier, or Clarifier. I mean, he said, for mortgage lenders and servicers, no-touch processing is imperative. Mortgage processes need to no be seamless. That's right, with servicing processes. And if servicing is your focus, providing borrowers with access to self-service tools and create customer-centric responsiveness, that's the key word, responsiveness, will depend on having advanced portal technology that is interactive and launches automated workflows. And he goes on to say more. I'll stop on that one for today because I'm sure I brought up enough to, to, to talk about. But I'll tell you what, he said some such interesting keywords, self-servicing tools, customer-centric responsiveness, and advanced portal technology. Well, David, if you go to do something and it's not responsive, what do you do? You disengage. Yeah. We've done it since the early day of the Internet when it was invented. And I won't make the joke about who invented the Internet, but you know <laughs> who I'm talking about. Yeah. But think about it, responsiveness. How many times have you gone to Google, you search for something, and if you don't get the result or you don't like the first page, you take off, right? That's responsiveness. If, if you go to do something and the web page just continues to load, like how many times have you been at a hotel and you try and connect to the Wi-Fi and it doesn't work, you just say, screw it, I'll go, I'll just work off of my mobile um, LTE connection, right? Responsiveness, right. action, interaction, all of that's needed. So I think that's plenty for today. Um, I can go on forever. 
speaking, great yeah, stuff. So I'll, talk about it. I'll talk about it again next week. It's the M Report. Uh, again, the name of the article is called Mortgage Tech Through Booms and Busts Part 1. It was written three days ago, so it's very relevant. Check it out. Good. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, that is going to wrap up the podcast for today. Before we exit out of here, Alice, anything that you want to add, generally speaking, for our listeners that they should be aware of? Anything else? I, I think the uh, – uh, let's see. What was the other thing? There was something else I was just looking at for the agencies that's going into effect. Oh, the new um, – uh, supplemental consumer information form oh, heads yeah. up. Uh, that information needs to be um, getting filled in. Hopefully, all of you have your LOS providers uh, in line with that. It's super easy, so I haven't make it, made a big conversation, but just one more thing to make sure your folks know about is that language preference selection and the homeownership counseling selection that are getting added to the IRLA. Good. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Mark Helm. What you got as we wrap it up, friend? Well, I'm going to make a, a general statement about something. Um, having been in the industry a long time, what totally amazes me, and David, I know you feel the same way, the complexity of what we deal with on a day-to-day basis is so different. It was 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago. It, for lack of a better term, it, it seems to get worse, meaning more time-consuming, there's so much thrown at us that you've got to be a research analyst to figure out which direction you're going to go on many things, whether it's choosing technology or whether it's fighting a regulation or proposing a new regulation or just dealing on a day-to-day basis with the agencies and with the GSEs, et cetera. It's, I see that as a changing world every day. And it used to be I could go to conferences and get on the panel and actually said something to feel very comfortable about what yeah. I said. Uh, nowadays, I salute everybody on this podcast because you're feeling as comfortable you can as what you say, but I know every one of us has little doubts about how some of these things we talk about are going to turn out, and that just gives our listeners an idea of what kind of a changing environment we're in. Yeah, it's a very, the, mortgage at us. Yeah, the mortgage market has become one very demanding, de- dynamic industry with what's going on. Like Alice was talking, Shh, don't say anything. We don't want the, uh, I don't want this to go away. We want this to go away and roll back to what it was with the VAs. And then, and then LLPs, what's going on there. It's just craziness. So good comment, everybody. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I want to say a special thank you again to our sponsors who are, make this really possible. Again, it's Candor Technology, Finastra, Form Free, Total Experts, Simple Nexus, Mortgage Bankers Association, Lenders One, Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, Modex, and Mortgage Advisory Tools. Folks, thanks so much. Have a great week. Volumes are increasing out there. I'm about to apply for a refinance myself. Got my loan officer on hold. I'm going to talk to him in a minute. And um, so volume's up. Be up. Attitude. Attitude's up. Opportunities are up. Yeah, we got challenges. But we got a heck of a year ahead of us. So be a part of the positive side of the story. Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. And um, we're going to see some things I predict we could have a really good year yet. So volumes are up. Just remember that as we exit out. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening.